0: Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, January 4th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone, and happy New Year. I hope you had a fantastic holiday break. Coming up on the show today, I'll be interviewing Charles Sylvia, VP Industry and Trade Relations for Cruise Lines International Association. We'll discuss the 2022 forecast for cruising and how the CDC's latest advisory update is impacting the cruise industry. But first, before we get to what's trending, for my travel advisor listeners... Don't miss the fifth Amazing Thailand Virtual Marketplace Hotel Edition taking place on Thursday, January 6, 2022, from 12 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Registration is free, and you can win prizes for attending and participating. Who doesn't love prizes, am I right? So if you're listening to this after January 6, you can check out the event still on demand at virtualtravelevents.com, but subscribe to the podcast, though, and you'll get notified every time a new episode drops, and you won't miss all these fun episodes promos that might be out there that you can do. But now, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's trending in the travel industry. We begin with the big cruise news. The CDC raised its travel warning for cruise ships from level 3 to level 4, its highest level, essentially advising travelers to avoid cruises, regardless of your vaccination status. The Cruise Lines International Association, also known as CLIA, expressed disappointment with the CDC's update, calling it, quote, perplexing, end quote. But they did confirm that they will continue to work with the agency to ensure passenger safety. That's the top of mind for everyone, obviously. But, you know, with this, I, too, find it rather perplexing. And I can't help but wonder what the real agenda here is by the CDC. Do they have it out for the cruise industry? Hmm, We'll hear more on that and get Charles' take later on in the show as I interview him and how this new advisory is impacting the cruise industry. I, of course, welcome your comments too, though, so shoot me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com, and let me know what you think about it. Travel Advisors, has this impacted your business at all? Moving over to airline news, it's been a wild start to the new year. Did you travel at all over the Christmas break or the New Year's holiday? Uh, Myself hit the road and did a little road trip over to Hilton Head, South Carolina. It was a family uh, trip, and it was fantastic. We rented a house, had that pool in the backyard, screened in deck, absolutely loved it. Great time to get away. If you were flying, though, You might have had a tougher time. I know plenty of advisors out there who are working on Christmas and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, helping their clients out. So shout out to travel advisors out there. You are the real MVPs because we had thousands and thousands of flights were canceled over Christmas and New Year's weekend altogether. It ended up being over like thirteen thousand U.S. flights impacted through both weekends, and there were over like a thousand more flights impacted today, Tuesday, January fourth. So. The Omicron variant and uh, weather-related issues led to some shorter staffs, and obviously weather-related issues, you can't fly and that stuff, so airlines were forced to delay takeoff or just outright cancel flights, unfortunately. But despite all of that, the TSA still screened over 2 million passengers per day multiple times during the busy holiday period. If you look at the numbers, they're not too far off when uh, compared to the same day in 2019, which gives me great hope for the 2022 holiday season at the end of this year and that bold prediction that I made on the last episode. So be sure to check that out where, where I recapped all of 21 and um, forecasted a little bit into 2022 in the last episode. But you know, there were still naughty passengers, too, this past weekend. Uh, one drunk guy punched a cop because he was denied boarding. So kudos to, I believe it was Delta on that one. They told him he can't. he's too drunk to get on board. He would cause a scene, potentially. So they denied that, but then he caused a scene in the airport anyway. So uh, one woman, though, had to quarantine in a bathroom of a plane because she found out mid-flight that she had tested positive for COVID. Can you imagine that? Like, stuck in an airplane bathroom for hours? You couldn't pay me enough money to do Well, maybe you could. Depends on how much money you have. Shoot me an email. Let's chat. <laughs> all while this is happening, though, airline stocks have actually gone up in recent days, so it's been, you know, up and down situations here for the airline industry. The start to the new year wasn't all that pleasant at times. Uh, they had their hiccups, but tons of people still opted for air travel. So is it a sign of what's to come in 2022? We shall see. In other airline news, after some concerns from the airlines and industry lobby group Airlines for America, the FAA, and the Department of Transportation requested a delay in the 5G wireless rollout. It looked like AT&T and Verizon would deny that and just be like, nah, but at the last minute they changed their minds and it will now be delayed by two weeks. Airlines are concerned that the 5G wireless service could interfere with operational systems on planes. AT&T says it has committed to implementing six-month protection zones around key airports. The zones, as explained by the FAA, will be um, in place at approximately 50 of the largest U.S. airports, Details on which airports were not provided at this time, but when you say 50 of the largest, you think, you know, you're pretty set there in, in covering those main ones where the, where 5G is going to be pretty prominent, where you have a lot more people. So, you know, this is something to watch as 2022 progresses here. This is, there's been a lot of back and forth on this if you're not too familiar with the situation, but, you know, they wanted to roll it out in early December, but it got pushed back. Now they're delaying it again. So, you know, the uh, and Verizon have spent billions and billions on this, but The airline industry has a lot of power backing it, so we'll see how things go in two weeks' time. Moving over to destination news, there's been some updates in key tourism destinations over recent weeks due to Omicron and the new CDC recommendations. Most recently, Hawaii announced changes to its Safe Travels program. The mandatory self-quarantine period for unvaccinated travelers or those arriving without a negative COVID-19 test has been reduced from 10 days to 5 days in Hawaii. In addition, tourists arriving in Hawaii will no longer be required to complete the Safe Travels Health Questionnaire before departure to receive a QR code. However, Hawaii's Lieutenant Governor Josh Green is pushing for tighter travel restrictions to be um, implemented into the near future, saying, quote, uh, telling local stations there, quote, the recommendation should be that you're either boosted or tested, real straightforward, and I think it will come in the new year, end quote. So who knows? With Hawaii, they've been one of the strictest, uh, the strictest state, obviously, in the U.S., with throughout this entire pandemic, should I say, and it might be changing again as things progress into 2022. We'll see what January holds as, you know, Omicron is peaking and everything with that. So stay tuned there. Other U.S. destinations with updated travel restrictions due to the new variant. Um, a lot of places implementing different vaccine uh, mandates for to enter into restaurants, bars, music venues, and more. Some of the key destinations that have done that for requiring full vaccination or partial, vac- partial vaccination Include New Orleans, New York City, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, uh, Philadelphia, and uh, Washington D.C. and Boston. All have various sorts of rules. We have a, a slideshow up on TravelPulse.com. You can check those. Obviously, make sure you talk to your travel advisor. Check your local um, where you if you are traveling in the domestically. Uh, make sure you check local um, governments and see what the rules are in place. You want to make sure that you if you are vaccinated, just bring your card uh, or, or a picture of it. I mean, I've gone to some of these places too and that it were, say they require uh, having a, your vaccination card and the, a picture is fine, or they don't even check it. So it's hit or miss on these things, but we are seeing more and more of those rules come into place now with Omicron. So we'll see how that changes. You know, a lot of these impact uh, go into effect either this week or next week, beginning January 15th. And then the ones that are partial vaccination, the rule changes to a full vaccination in February. So a lot of uh, stuff changing there and will continue to change as 2022 progresses. Uh, there's also some uh, Caribbean protocol changes that have taken place effective January 7th. Barbados visitors must present proof of negative rapid COVID-19 PCR test result obtained from an accredited or recognized laboratory or healthcare provider within one day of arrival or a negative RT PCR test result obtained within three days of arrival. Puerto Rico updated their curfew times and said all indoor and outdoor events will be limited to a maximum capacity of 250 people and get this, and alcohol sales will be prohibited between midnight and 5 a.m. So uh, stock up on your booze at 11.30 or just wake up at 6 a.m. and start drinking through the day. I don't know, however you do vacation you know, there, to, to each their own. So that starts January 18th, uh, and beginning this week. Um, anyone, domestic visitors going to the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, regardless of vaccination status, must pre- present proof of a negative antigen or RT-PCR COVID-19 result within three days of travel to the territory, and all domestic travelers ages five years or older are required to use the USVI travel screening portal to obtain clearance to enter the territory. So yeah, COVID-19 still greatly impacting destinations in the U.S. and around the world. However, some Caribbean destinations are among the safest places in the world to visit right now. Based on the latest U.S. State Department and CDC uh, guidance, as well as data from the 2021 Global Peace Index, these are what we put together as the safest places to travel to in 2022. This will be a list that we'll update throughout the year of travel polls, but be sure to check it out uh, as, you, as you see it over on the side piece um, when you're on the website there. But um, initially, to start the year off, we're looking at Abu Dhabi and Dubai, British Islands, Jamaica, the Bahamas, Iceland, Fiji, Canada, Grenada, and New Zealand as the safest places to travel to in 2022. Obviously, New Zealand Can't get there right now, but once it opens back up, I think you'll see a lot of people coming in. Uh, Be interesting to see how they stagger things there and how they handle the reopening of tourism. I, for one, cannot wait for that and to see how them in Australia handle things later this year. They've been closed for what feels like forever now, but they're going to open back up. We're going to get there, folks. We're going to get through this. So that wraps up what is trending in travel. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Let's jump to our interview section now. And now joining me on the podcast is Charles Sylvia, VP Industry and Trade Relations for the Cruise Lines International Association. Charles, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast here. How are you
1: doing? Doing great, Eric. Thanks so much for having me and happy new year.
0: Happy new year, indeed. A lot going on in the travel industry. Uh, Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself if they're not familiar with you and uh, your role and your work in the travel industry.
1: Sure thing. Uh, I've actually been, believe it or not, Eric, I've been a travel advisor myself for uh, going on 28 years now and uh, started out as a frontline agent in uh, 1994 and uh, just love cruise. It's, it's been my passion since I was a little kid, uh, but selling cruises is my professional passion. And um, my role at CLIA, I, I've been with CLIA now Shucks, this is I'm going to be seven years in now uh, that I've worked for CLIA since March of of 2015. But I've been a CLIA member for going on 28 years. And my role at CLIA is to advocate for our close to 50,000 members here in the United States and Canada to make sure that they are fulfilling their uh, that they're um, achieving their maximum cruise sales potential and that they're getting the most out of their careers and representing cruise travel in the most informed and professional way. And, um, and the, the entire team at CLIA works very hard to advocate on behalf of the, the entire cruise community, uh, which encompasses, um, you know, it's, it's a global, global community, Eric.
0: Yeah, it, it it is. And it has, that global community has been greatly impacted over the last uh, two years here now A lot has been going on, and a lot has been going on in the last week, really, too, as the big news uh, in the travel industry really is about the CDC new advisory and advising against cruising and all that. So jump right into the questions here. Some advisors and consumers, too, feel that the CDC has it out for the cruise industry. They're sort of picking on them in comparison to other sectors in the travel industry. So what are your thoughts there, and is the new CDC advisory warranted?
1: Well, you know, Eric, we're obviously disappointed, and I say we're meaning CLIA and our our members are obviously disappointed at the CDC's decision to raise the level uh, for crews, especially given the overwhelming level of effectiveness of uh, cruise protocols uh, that are resulting in significantly lower level of cases on crews compared to land. Uh, You know, instead of singling out crews, our industry should be held up high for demonstrating leadership in in health and safety protocols. Uh, The cruise industry protocols are unique in their approach to effectively monitor uh, and detect and respond to potential cases of COVID-19. And and our protocols encompass the entirety of the cruise experience. We incorporate testing, vaccination, uh, screening, sanitation, mask wearing, and other science-backed measures. And believe it or not, vaccination rates aboard a cruise ship Eric, are typically upwards of ninety-five percent, which is significantly higher than the overall US population, which is hovering, I believe, at around sixty-two yep. percent. And in the United States alone, the cruise industry, we administer nearly 10 million tests per week. And now that's 21% the rate of testing in the United States. So, you know, the even with all of the higher rates of testing that we do in the cruise industry, we're seeing the cruise industry continues to see significantly lower rates of occurrence of COVID-19. And and the, I think it's 33% lower than onshore. Yeah, I, you know, and I just think that uh, I know that people feel though as if the CDC has it out for the cruise industry, and I, I think it speaks to our unique reporting, because we do report Um, we report out to the CDC on a daily basis, you know, and and that's really what it boils down to. Um, The CDC tracking of cruise ships is part of the current what they call framework of for conditional sailing order. We've all heard the term CSO, conditional sailing order. And it supports our shared priority. We share this priority with the CDC of working closely together in the interest of protecting the health and safety of, of passengers and crew and the communities that we call upon. But it's important to understand that cruise lines are the only travel providers that submit daily reports to the CDC about the health of passengers and crew, including when there's nothing to report, Eric which is the vast majority of the time. And just to give you additional context, the color status of cruise ships changes on a nearly daily basis. And it's based upon predetermined thresholds that have been set by the CDC. The thresholds are very very stringent. For example, if if a cruise ship will be determined a cruise ship will be determined yellow and therefore subject to CDC review if a threshold of 0.1% Or more passengers. Now, 0.1% or more passengers, that's seven out of 6,500 passengers have tested positive in the last seven days. Or even if just one crew member tests positive. So it is, that's really the difference. That's where the keel meets the water is that we are unique in our reporting. Um, I do believe that um, the CDC should not be villainized. You know, you're talking to a guy who's been cruising since he was 10 years old and I've been over it's I, I'm believe I'm over 300 cruises right now. So, you know, no, there's no one who's, who has as much passion for this industry and love for this industry and support for this industry as I do. But I still believe that the CDC should not be villainized for a variety of reasons. Number one, because it's not going to accomplish anything. Uh, uh, yep. it's, it's not going, it's not going to be productive. And number two, Because this is the situation of, of our existence as a maritime business. We, we are regulated to report daily to the CDC. It's something that, that, that we've done for years and years and years. And we just have to, we have to deal with it. And, and, and it is possible to earn a very, very good living selling cruises um, without, you know, blasting the CDC because, uh, quite frankly, they are working with us, and this is something that they, I guess, from their prerogative they had to do. Uh, you know, we are completely per- perplexed uh, as to why they did it uh, in terms of the elevation of the warning, um, but they they continue to work with us. So um, I just think that um, what we have to focus on is our clients and uh, not on not on uh, villainizing the CDC.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. And and I have to give a kudos to the cruise industry because they are unique and that they are reporting that so much. You're not seeing that in other sectors around there. I think that's where a lot of the, you know, the a lot of the consumers and other advisors too, because we've seen it on our Facebook comments, you know, people get big mad over any stuff that the CDC has. So I'm with you that they shouldn't be villainized, but I I get there's a lot of frustration, you know, from the uh, hardcore cruisers out there who just want to get back to, you know, the normal, but there, there isn't going to be a normal uh, of what, what it used to be. So we've got to power through and, and get through um, to this, you know, new normal, if you will. But it's understandable where people get frustrated on it, but, Is it impacting bookings though? And that's my question to you is how are the cruise bookings looking right now? Did this this advisory bring on um, a ton of cancellations? What are you hearing out there?
1: Well, the the clear part of my life doesn't doesn't really have visibility into the commercial sales of cruise lines, uh, you know, through travel agencies um, because of antitrust and other restrictions that we have. But the travel advisor side of me talks to (laughs) I I probably talk to uh, a couple of hundred travel advisors every single month. And certainly since uh, since we've all gotten back to work or or actually since the advisory was elevated, um, I've spoken to countless travel advisors and yes we're taking a hit. Uh it's a slight hit. It's 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 something that shouldn't be happening. Um but it's something that is happening and it's mostly in the here and now bookings, the bookings that were set to depart in the, in Q1 of 2022. Um I if I had to guess based on my own personal experience I'm seeing about about 10 to 15% impact. Um, but it's not nearly cancellations as much as it is rescheduling. So people are still hanging in there. Uh, they love cruise and they get it. They get it. It's just that, um, right now what travel advisors need to focus on or, or right now what I'm focusing on as a travel advisor, I should say, um, is reassurance, reassurance of clients uh, being confident, representing the industry confidently. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but uh, my, my tack moving forward in 2022 is uh, to maintain confidence and to be as informed as possible about what clear cruise line members are doing to protect, because from day one of the pandemic, we have always put people first in everything that we do. And, uh, that's why it's working. I mean, I've been on, heck, Eric, I've been on, I believe, nine cruises since last June. Um, and I'm, I'm sailing again, in, in I'm going to be sailing four weeks from today. So uh, this is, it should be confidence, it should be reassurance, and it should be, um, uh, this is the time for travel advisors to be as well informed as possible uh, on everything that's going on so that they can speak uh, in that manner to their clients.
0: Yeah, I think that's sound advice. It's really great stuff for that advisors need to know. Uh, I myself have been on three cruises uh, last year and looking forward to going on some more. This year I think it's a safe way to travel among the safest in the industry out there. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned, you know, with everything going on with, with bookings, you know, 10 to 15% impact there, but there's still like what a Couple hundred cruises still out there going and planning to cruise this January, right? Like, so people are, oh, are they're, they're still happening. It's not like this level four advisory has said, you know, complete shutdown or anything. You know, people don't need to have those fears. Like, the cruise ships are still going out there and they're cruising, they're having a good time.
1: Absolutely. That's that's the top line message is is that uh, ships are sailing and they're sailing successfully and our our enhanced public uh, public health and safety protocols are working. That that is really the the headline uh, there, Eric. Um, I, you know, we're all on Facebook or we're all on some sort of uh, social media. And I am seeing my travel advisor, friends and and friends and family who are civilians uh, Sailing on cruises and, and and loving it and enjoying themselves and our public health and safety protocols are only adding to their comfort level uh, aboard ship. It's not taking away from experience from their experience. And if you hear any of the cruise line uh, trade uh, sales leaders, you will hear them report that the, the 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 scores, the survey scores have never been higher because guests feel so comfortable aboard ship. It's so funny because I had I had clients of mine that came home that said to me, oh, you know what? They hadn't looked at the news and they they came home and they were scratching their heads. I, they didn't know what 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 was going on in the news because because it made no sense to them that the uh, advisory elevation would occur because of the amazing time, the amazing and safe time that they had aboard their cruise vacation.
0: Yeah, and I think some of that too is the fact that it's not 100% capacity on board. So what can you tell us about the, you know, the forecast of 2022 here in cruising and anything uh, when do you think capacity levels might reach back to 100 if at all in well, 2022? <laughs>
1: Well, there's two types of capacities to talk about. Right. There's the fleet capacity and then there's the onboard capacity. I can speak to the fleet capacity. And uh, at the end of the year, we had approximately 80 percent. So let me take a step back. The clear global cruise lines account for 95 percent of the cruise capacity worldwide. Ninety five percent. So it's approximately two hundred and seventy five ocean going ships. And so as of uh, December 31st, we were at approximately 80 percent of that fleet was back in service. And we expect that um, by the end of Q1, that 100 percent of all of the CLIA uh, uh, global cruise line memberships will be back in service. Now, in terms of onboard capacities, those are, um, managed very closely by the individual cruise lines. Okay, and so, uh, I can tell you that I've actually already been on a cruise that was at 100% capacity and, uh, came home negative and, uh, had a wonderful time and, and, um, uh, uh the protocols were, were in place and they were working and, uh, You know, it won't be long before we start seeing, but certainly during this time frame, and we saw uh, um, one or two brands that backpedaled in terms of new bookings for the here and now for the for the uh, departures that are going to occur in January, uh, just so that they could control the capacity aboard their ships. Um, But but you're going to start seeing it turning up turning up more and more as um, this variant uh, becomes a thing of the past.
0: That's great. Yeah. And I'd love to hear that about, you know, 100 percent capacity fleet wise, you know, at the end of Q1. That is really encouraging. And and the cruise industry definitely needs that to to get forward. But as things are still impacted right now, what destinations are trending the most for 2022 as we move forward here?
1: Well, you know, uh, obviously there is a strong desire for people to return to Alaska. Uh, and the Alaskan market, I hear, is going very, very well indeed. Obviously, Caribbean reigns supreme. Caribbean will always account for about a third of all deployments annually. You know, a third of global deployment year year round uh, will always be in the Caribbean. And the Caribbean reigns supreme. But Alaska is doing quite well. People are yearning to get back to Europe. Uh, I hear that uh, river cruising is, is strong, strong, strong River uh, European river cruising. Uh, I've heard reports that uh, that uh, advanced bookings for river cruising are through the roof. So it's just a really exciting time. And it's and it's time for for travel advisors to sit down with their clients and develop that three to five year plan where they're recognizing what birthdays end in a zero or a five, what anniversaries may end in a zero or a five and start putting down those milestones and mapping out um, all the destinations that they want to visit so that um, there's, you know, half the anticipation, uh, half the fun of, of, of planning a trip is the anticipation. And so, really we have to take that role you know we got rebranded as travel advisors about 2 years ago i thought it was fantastic um and and because that's what we do we're not agents we don't sell a commodity we're not selling a widget or we're not selling a commodity for for a flat fee we are advisors and so now we really have to start sitting down because a lot of people missed out on a lot of travel during this pandemic and they they have a an entirely different point of view and they'd be willing and i know this firsthand because i've done it myself willing to sit down with a train certified travel advisor and and talk about what their you know i call it the uh, uh nwe the needs wants and expectations what their wish list is i don't like the term bucket list because it it, it refers to death, <laughs> but, um, but what is their, what is their destination list? What is that dream destination list? Let's make it a reality. Let's sit down and say, okay, this year, 21 2022, this, this summer, you're going to go to Alaska in the fall. You're going to do a Europe cruise. And then in the, in the winter, you're, you're going to do Christmas markets on a river cruise. Yeah. So that's really what we've got to focus on. We've got to focus on what our clients have been yearning to visit the destinations and, and, and make them a reality.
0: I think that is absolutely fantastic advice there, and I hope all the advisors and consumers out there listening take that to heart because it, it's true. Um, so, as we wrap up here, last question I want to get Charles is: How does the cruise industry separate itself from the petri dish stigma? And what would be your okay. advice? Uh, what should cruisers or, or really cruise advisors listening out there because I know they hear it all the time? What should they say when someone says that? Well, cruising is just one giant petri dish.
1: Well, you know what, Eric? Um uh, to anyone who's sold cruises for as long as I have, we we kind of develop a a Teflon shell, an outer Teflon shell, so that when people say that term petri dish, that it just it just bounces right off of me. And if I may, Eric, make a shameless plug for my social media handle because I provide Absolutely. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, so I can be followed at at CLIA for for CLIA Veep, V. EEP, like Vice President Veep, at Clea Veep. I have a meme on there. (laughs) It's the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey giving a very judgmental look. And it basically says uh, when someone uses the term Petri dish who has never set foot aboard a cruise ship in their life. And that's usually what the situation is. But we need to understand that. Why do people say this? They say this because it's a it's a, it's it's a golden oldie. You know, it's something that yeah, everybody yeah. uses, and because they're I'm not going to say uninformed. I'm going to say misinformed. It's because they're misinformed. And whenever anyone says that to me, and very few people say it to me nowadays, because they know most most people <laughs> I know know my role. <laughs> so, um, but when I do hear it, I embrace it. I embrace it as an opportunity to educate the person. And that's where CLIA comes in. And and I'm not going to make this a shameless plug for CLIA membership, but those advisors who are listening to my voice right now know that the CLIA membership entitles them to a plethora of information to back up the fact that nothing could be further than the truth than when someone refers to a cruise ship as a petri dish. That is probably one of the most misinformed statements that a person could make. And it's it's I you know it's it's counterintuitive and it's ironic, and and everyone smiles when I say that person has clearly never been on a cruise ship in their lives. And you know what? To a to a person, Eric, every time I've not confronted but ask the question that's the first thing you should do is ask the question well have you ever set foot upon a cruise ship that's the question have you ever set foot yep. upon a cruise ship and i always say well in front well have you ever set foot upon a cruise ship to make it softer and less confrontational and they'll to a person they'll always say well no i haven't but i've heard <laughs> right yeah. i've heard okay and, that's, and that's,
0: why that's why you say you say misinformed but i'll say it i think it's a lazy comeback from those people but yes. it, it, it is, you know, and that's what what the cruise industry unfortunately has to face. But like you said, there are a ton of resources out there. And, and I personally, I think it is a lazy comeback that someone says that, oh, it's just one giant petri dish because that's what they hear on the mainstream out there. And it could be further from the truth.
1: You're absolutely right. It is a lazy response. Uh, it's an easy one to go to. Um, and and <laughs> and if you see it on, fa- on on social media, please, please, folks, don't waste your time. Because you're never going to convince that person, but when you hear someone say it in front of you, or if you have the opportunity to address the person on a, in a legitimate way, and I mean by not, I don't mean on social media because I don't think social media is a legitimate way of of exchanging um, uh, compelling ideas and debate. I'm saying when you have the ability to affect and 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 positively educate and influence that person, then yes, ask them. Well, you know, have you ever set foot on a cruise ship, and then Hit them with with factual information, information that that you, you can find uh, with at CLIA and and from your from your from our cruise line members that can back up uh, our claim uh, of how safe we truly are.
0: Wonderful, thank you so much, Charles. I really appreciate it. This has been a fantastic interview. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Any final posing, uh, final words you want to impose on our listeners?
1: Go for it. Well, I just want to thank you, Eric, for this wonderful opportunity. And to your listeners, I just want to say, please hold fast, everyone. We've got a terrific 2022 ahead of us. Just hold fast, and we will get through this.
0: Thanks again so much to Charles for jumping on the show and giving great insight on the cruise industry right now. A lot happening. And be sure to follow him on the social medias. He gave you that CLIA veep there. So also, you know, if you made it this far on the show, it probably wasn't because of me. You probably kept listening to Charles talk because amazing voice there definitely got to get him back on the podcast again i could listen to that guy talk for hours fantastic voice of an angel right there so that wraps up this week's show thank you guys so much for listening i hope you had a fantastic holiday as i said earlier and uh big things coming in 2022 Let, let's do it folks looking forward to it if you'd like to be on the show you know how to reach me thanks for listening folks have a great week